Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting edge strategies and acquiring leads and sales for your business so you can acquire and, well, you can acquire more customers, obviously, but more importantly, you can achieve your vision. And speaking of vision today, we have a Google visionary in substitute for the one that just pretends to be the Google visionary, which is Qasem Aslam. He is not here today, but in his place, our What's Working Now episode for this month, pretty excited to have this guy here. Probably, I would say, the preeminent Google ads expert on the planet, if not the universe, definitely the solar system. No doubt about it. None <laughs> other than Solutions Aid co-founder, John Moran. Welcome back to Perpetual Traffic. Thank you. Always good to be here. I like to call myself, I am the bug that is always in Cosm's ear. So I'll be a small replacement for him. <laughs> well, I'm going to try and keep up today. The challenge sometimes with you is just keeping up with your brain. And there's a lot of synapses firing all at the same time. And I don't think it's necessarily just the energy drinks, but you, you just did like a three hour like Google session before we got on this thing here. So, you know, you've already been humming along. You're in like fifth gear. You actually have like nine or 10 or 11 gears. But point is, is today <laughs> we're going to... Yeah, you're supercharged. So we're going to boil this down <laughs> to a couple of big things. The problem with having somebody like John Moran on, like when you're talking about what's working now, what's cool, there's so many things. So we're focusing on the most impactful things today. We're going to get into two incredibly impactful tactics, techniques, strategies on the Google Ads platform that you should start implementing today, especially if you're in e-com, but we also have some lead gen information mm -hmm. there, which is something I didn't even know. Like I thought we had sort of given up on this in general, but <laughs> no, John's figured out a strategy for that. But before we get into all that juicy Google goodness, do you have a nugget that you can drop on the perpetual traffic crowd here today. And before you start to reveal, I know this is a screenshot, <laughs> definitely head over to our YouTube channel, go to perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube, and you'll immediately be able to see what John's talking about here, as well as in the two vital strategies that you need to implement on Google. So lay it on us here, nugget number one for the John Moran episode. Yes. So this is counterintuitive to most big brands. And I think that this nugget is something that people would really want to pay much more closer attention to because it actually solves two issues. It's a retention and also a win back that's probably happening with your business today that you don't realize. Long story short, because I'm working on being more concise with my words and slowing down. Typically, this is the slowest <laughs> I've ever heard you oh talk, by the God, way. Oh my God, this is painful. <laughs> I feel like I'm like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Hey, guys. Um, so <laughs> That was so slower. That, right? That hurt. Yeah. So typically, brands believe that their retention comes from a brand campaign, which means that most of the returning customers come from a brand campaign. This is even more true if you have a large amount of SKUs, like three or four or 5,000 SKUs. To break that mold, I want you all to look at a metric that you may not be looking at, which is the existing customers of your non-brand campaigns. For example, this is the last seven days of a client that, and I can prove this with data, I will not rabbit hole, all of these shopping campaigns have not one branded term. We've taken a year to make sure that they are perfect and they, they start off very, very well. But when you look at the amount of returning transactions in the last seven days, my shopping campaign brought 2,000 new clients and 2,500 returning clients. 
My brand campaign brought 333 new clients and 751 returning clients, meaning that I have a higher ratio of returning in my brand campaign, but a higher volume of returning in my shopping because we are an instant gratification Amazon generation now. You want something, you pull out your phone, you Google it. That's it. You don't see something and say, I need a dog bed. I really hope the company I buy my medications from six months ago sells a dog bed. You don't care. You're looking for a dog bed. So a win back campaign is actually happening on your non-brand campaigns, sometimes even more efficient than your brand. You want to retain customers? Don't spike up your brand spend. Spike up your non-brand spend. That is where people are a lot of times coming back because you're familiar with them. So monitor your returning transactions in your cold traffic. When you spike that spend up, you get more new and returning traffic rather than focusing on your brand campaign. That's a nugget. That's a pretty tasty nugget. You caveated this with if you have a lot of SKUs. When you categorize that, a lot of SKUs, I'm assuming thousands of SKUs. Is there any sort of exceptions to the rule here? Yeah, you have a dozen SKUs. You know what I mean? Like I just bought this mouthpiece thing for my workout. They have like 12 SKUs. But Mm -hmm. then the campaign, I think, in the pet space that we're talking about has thousands of SKUs. So like, is there any happy meeting between the two? What are your recommendations there? It's category-based in a niche. So if you have four or five categories of products in a niche, like workout equipment, if you have, let's say, the apparel, the gloves, a chalk, whatever it is, when a person is looking to buy stuff, it usually doesn't happen all at once. Not usually. So if you're looking to be like, hey, I'm going to the gym. I need to get headphones. You have that. I need to get a sweatband. You have that. I need gym shorts. You have that. Now I need gloves. You have that. They're still going to search for things. But you can bucket your existing audiences and prioritize bidding for them on cold traffic terms. So as to not lose them to another company that may have even more SKUs than you do that would retain that customer for longer. So bigger SKU brands actually are more of a threat to you if you do not focus on retaining and bringing back your existing customers when they want to purchase something. Very rarely do you bucket audiences of people like in display and spend a hundred grand on them. People don't wake up one day and be like, dear God, I need to buy gloves because they increase their ad spend. That doesn't happen. What they do is they are going to (laughs) go, right? Yeah. If if only we were a genie in Aladdin, we can't control free will. So that's what I think is responding to how they're going to be buying stuff, taking a look at, they're not going to be loyal to you, especially after their first purchase. Maybe even after their fifth purchase, they're not loyal to you. They're loyal to what they want, which is why Amazon does so well. So that's what's interesting is looking at, I need to work on retention. Don't look at your retention only strategies. Sometimes, majority of the time, if you have more than like four or five categories in a niche, your existing customers are going to have cold traffic terms that will be buying from you again because they find you again. They're familiar, they're comfortable, they like you. So the key is the categories, really, because we always think, oh, well, you don't want to spend more money on returning customers, but if they're buying the same thing over and over again, it's a supplement, for example, you should be able to pull them in with a minimal campaign just on brand terms, but also relying on your email because you're just getting more of the same thing that you bought before. You're talking about, in the case of the workout example, is like mouth guards are now a big thing, sweatbands, chalk, weight belt, whatever it happens to be. The more categories they're related, when they actually search for those and they'll say, oh, I've bought that from that guy before. Mm -hmm. And then I had a good experience. Yeah, I had a good experience. They delivered it on time. The mouth guard, the the chalk works, whatever it happens to be. Now I'll get a weight belt from them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And your email campaigns reinforce that decision too, which here's a good example. I have a company called Travel. We sell luggage. I had a person on October 18th buy a thousand dollar piece of luggage. And then November 8th, they bought the cover for that luggage. It was a Bellagio by Bricks. They bought a Bellagio thousand dollar piece of luggage. 20 days later, they type in Bellagio cover. I saw it in the back of the Shopify. They clicked on another UTM campaign and then bought the cover for it. They were going to buy it from somewhere else, but they bought it from me again. And I spent $2 to bring that person back for another $50 sale to get that, which is cool. Which, by the way, that's actually going to be one of our examples here. When we get to after the break, the two big things here, hyper segmentation and broad targeting. 
the harder gate? What the heck is John talking about there? We're going back to broad targeting? Anyway, we'll find <laughs> out exactly how that will increase and enhance your business and scale and grow and get you to the next level right after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. All right, so we are back with John Moran, the intergalactic Google traffic <laughs> specialist of the planetary solar system universal. I don't even know what I'm saying here. We're just going to make stuff up as we're going <laughs> along. The point is, is you're the guy to talk to about Google. And obviously, check out your YouTube channel. I know you guys are doing the You versus Google challenge right now. That's you versus google.com. Check that out. We'll leave links in the show notes, but also check out John and his natural environment over at the Solutions 8 YouTube channel, which uh, all our media buyers watch sort of obsessively as well. So kind of a, kind of a good stalkers. guy to have. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> They're sort of a little bit spellbound, I think. So anyway, so let's knock this one out of the park. Your first one today is this hyper-segmentation thing. Tell us a little bit about that and how you've been using it primarily in e-commerce, if I'm not mistaken, or this is more broad industry-wide. This would be broad industry-wide for specifically e-commerce, though. So just any industry, right? Just e-commerce because it's standard shopping. And like my official title, Google kind of made it obvious that titles don't matter like Performance Max, which is why my recommendation is to pause it because it doesn't max out your performance. And the hyper-segmentation of standard shopping campaign is where I think the industry is moving towards. I'm kind of pioneering that with some case studies. But this is the big thing that I saw, is that Performance Max does a decent job at getting you good visibility and going after new and existing customers. Yada, yada. We beat that horse to death. What I've been testing is a different variation of standard shopping down to almost like I've been calling them SPACs, <laughs> single product ad campaigns, which is really what they are. And what I've been doing is a three-step process. Step one, I take all of my products of a manufacturer into one standard shopping campaign, and I throw a bunch of traffic at it. Usually the bidding strategy is max clicks or like with a bid cap so I can gain that data or a low TROAS goal campaign, which is a 50% TROAS in one standard shopping campaign with, let's say, 300 SKUs. I then find what I call like the high-low. Pareto's rule always happens, especially just Google will force a Pareto rule. 80% of your sales will come from 20% of your items. So I take those 20% of my items and I break out individual standard shopping campaigns for them with a dedicated daily ad spend that is safe. So if you think about a campaign that spends $50 a day, that's easy. That's a simple campaign. Now get 10 of those. Now you're spending $500 a day. And the individual campaigns are not spending enough to be risky 
but they're spending enough on that product that was more than what Performance Max was dedicating to that product. So when you look at a Performance Max campaign, everyone's done this. In the last 10 days, I sort descending by clicks and I have one product with 3,000 clicks and my next product down has 200. So you're like, man, I really wish you would diversify my spend and spend more on the products that are selling. We're forcing that to happen. And I can screen share here and give you an example of what this looks like. Yep. And so what you'll see here is I'm selling bricks primarily. I have a lot of products in this account for just a dumb example of all the products that are available. I have 3,162 SKUs. So I have a ton of SKUs and they're from every company you can imagine. Now, things like Dolce Gabbana, the Samsonite, all the other ones. So I said, hey, when I ran all of them, all 3,000, bricks started to come out on top. So I'm running a bricks, what they call catch-all, which is the original. This is the campaign that I've used over the course of a few months to learn what sells and what doesn't. So this is that campaign here. You see how I have a high cost and conversions, and then watch the spend level, the cost kind of was reduced down. Now, still working fairly well here. This is where we pulled a lot of spend back because we're getting ready for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. But I was able to reduce a bunch of spend and break things out. So now that I've taken my standard shopping campaign and segmented them into multiple different standard shopping campaigns, I have now a product line in a manufacturer that has one SKU with variants. And what this does is it allows me actually to crowdsource all of the quality search terms for all of the best performing products. Here's what I mean by that. In the last 30 days, When I look at my search terms for my bricks campaign, as an example, you'll see that, and I'll just do this, search term contains bricks. So this is just consolidating to my campaigns that are running, not my Samsonite and the other stuff. Now I'll move my columns over. And if you're hearing it in an audio form, I'm showing my search terms across all of my bricks campaigns. And we can see that someone types in bricks luggage. They click on an X collection and they buy those. They type in Bricks luggage again and a different person, they click on a Sienna and buy that. Someone types in Bricks luggage, they buy Ulysses. So I can see that the search terms are all the same, except for when they really want like something specific, which doesn't happen very often. They're looking for Bricks luggage and I'm saying, which one of my best selling items would you like to see? And now I get to own also the search engine, which means someone types in Bricks luggage, you'll see my Sienna, my Bellagio, my X collection. Why? Well, it's because I have my Sienna, my Bellagio, and my X collection running as campaigns individually. I'm entering into multiple auctions in one Google Ads account by allowing these campaigns to all show up for the same search terms, and Google give me multiple placements. So now I beat the manufacturer. I show up more often than anybody else. I beat Neiman Marcus. They're not even on the, the first part here. And this is me using high T ROAS goals. I'm sniping these clicks, essentially. And what happens here on a micro level is because I'm only spending $50 a day across a higher AOV type of account, if I spend $73 to make one sale, I get a 250 ROAS. If I spend $57 to make two sales, I get a 1,000 ROAS. If I spend $32 to make one sale, that's a 700 ROAS. Now, I actually made $2,000 yesterday. This is only showing 1,000 because Google sucks at attribution, which we already know that. I made two grand here. And I'm only running Google. There is no other traffic. There's no social traffic. It's just search and direct. That's it. So I know that I've actually made 2000. This will show 1000. But now I spent 500, make 2000. That's a 4x. And only what one, two, three campaigns out of 11 had a sale. And I still 4x because I'm not going deep into a risk in any specific area. Right. So you're limiting your risk by the individual campaigns, but you're also maximizing the amount of the coverage for any search term and all the variability that comes with those search terms. And by the way, if you're just listening to this, we will do our best to explain it to you in audio format. But I would highly recommend if you want to get deeper into this, go to perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube and you'll see John's screenshot here as to how this is done. So yeah, so you're limiting downside risk. It's almost like I look at this as like stock trading. You have limit orders and you have stop well loss. Well diversified portfolio. hundred <laughs> percent. But so the marketer in me says, well, once you get data here and you start seeing that maybe just the generic term bricks luggage, for example, is the one that's bringing in the most sales, would you start scaling up that individual campaign or would you just, like you'd have to gather data over the course of weeks. What's your scaling step on this? 
Yep. So because I actually like scaling small campaigns because they can react the fastest with the least amount of risk, you can see that every one of these campaigns, if I say like the X collection, it's limited by budget, of course. Of course. But I can go to 180 without hitting a point of diminishing returns. Or I could take this Bellagio and I can go from 60 to 180 also without hitting a point of diminishing returns. Each one of these things going from 60 to 120, that's not a big move to Google. Now doing that 10 times for 10 campaigns, that's $600 more per day. So when you're looking at here, for example, this last since October 1st, I said, what if I put 100% more in ad spend into it? I got 137% more conversions. Those are now a lot less risky. So my ROAS actually got 7% better after I put 105% more budget into it. And looking at the back end, when I was looking at just the top line metrics, my sales in September were 32,000. My sales in October were 70,000. So I more than doubled my actual top line numbers. Pmax usually doesn't do that. Pmax is like, you made more sales. And we're like, no, we didn't. So this is actually realistically moving in the right direction because it's really low risk 10 times and with a very high amount of visibility into Google. Fascinating. And this could be like, you don't really care about new and returning customers here. Going back to your first nugget, this could be new and returning customers, which I think you gave the example there of this particular business, but because it's such small budgets, it's like you're controlling it. You're really limiting that downside, but then you're obviously using the data to be able to scale up and that's doubling sales within a month. Basically using this strategy and this strategy alone, if I'm not mistaken. And the best part is I have 3,000 SKUs from 25 different manufacturers. This is one. Just one. Just bricks. <laughs> one. Just bricks. Yeah. So I said, hey, you know what? Let's do this again. Let's do this with Samsonite. So I did this and said, hey, let me probably, grab Samsonite. Probably a smart move. Yeah. <laughs> right. Samsonite has 10 times the amount of search volume than Bricks does according to Google Trends and Google's Keyword Planner. So I said, you know what? Let me start this campaign on the third. And since the third, what you have to be is good stewards of workload, which means don't be afraid to get in there and keep making a bunch of changes in the right direction. So since the third, I made 483 changes. I am negative matching everything that is not Samsonite because I really want good placements for Samsonite like I have good placement for bricks. So I'm excluding everything. I'm blah, 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 blah. So I have you know 70 negative keywords on the seventh. I have added another 30 on the fourth. I keep going in there and just hacking off everything that's not Samsonite. And I notice a lot of those negative keywords are really top of funnel. I don't know what I want yet kind of mm -hmm. searches. Like I want a bag right. that's this dimension kind of thing. Yeah. 18-inch laptop rolling bag. Samsonite has one of those, but I'd rather show up for a person that wants to buy a Samsonite. So what's nice about that is as soon as I am on day like four of my negative keyword saga uh, <laughs> and added 400 negative keywords that weren't from the keywords that I wanted, that fifth day, yesterday, for example, uh, I had 23 conversion or 23 clicks total. I had two sales. Now, my conversion rate is 8%. I spent $42 to make $612. Beautiful. So now, Samsonite garment luggage, one-click sales. Samsonite outlet, I have a sale that's permanent. I have taken my price. I've marked it up. I run a permanent 20% off sale that pushes me 10% below map, which is my limit. And now I, to direct response, always have the best sale at the best price for the shortest amount of conversion path, where 23 clicks makes two sales. Wow. So that's, that's why when you look at Briggs Luggage, 20% off, 10% off, 10% off, 10% off, 20% off, 20% off, 10%. I am the only one running a sale. You see me everywhere for any type of search for all of the best performing products. If you're buying a Bricks from me to, on Google today, you're buying it from me. Yeah. And we're looking at the screen here as Traveloo, and it basically dominates the entire shopping row. I mean, in essence, especially the ones where you don't have to click to the right. So... I've always wondered, when you're doing these sorts of things, I mean, we're looking at it on desktop. Do you cross-check everything on mobile as well to make sure that you're appearing there, breaking it out by device? Where does that enter into the equation here? As, or are there certain purchases that you found in the case of like luggage, for example? That's a desktop purchase because I need to be in front. I need to analyze. I need to look at it. Like, do you give much consideration there? Okay, so there it is. <laughs> Travelu, Travelu, right? Yep. I actually take a harder focus on mobile. 35% of all my conversions take two ad clicks or more to purchase. And it's usually a broad manufacturer search and then a secondary model search. 
that's where the catch-all will win if it's not one of my best performing items. That's my backup. So if you're looking for bricks and you click on the Bellagio and you list a year or something like that that I'm not actually having a dedicated campaign for because it doesn't sell too well, when you come back and you Google that specific one that you found on my site, that catch-all campaign catches you. So it's all based on direct response. And it's all based on, are you looking for one of the products that usually sells 80% of the time? That's what dominates the SERP on both desktop and mobile. Because I know that I'm going to get cross-pollination of that traffic between desktop and mobile all the time. And when these are $350 and $750 AOVs, you're probably going to have someone that will find you on mobile, then go to the desktop and purchase it. Because when you're buying $750 luggage, you're probably not a Gen Z. So Mm -hmm. desktop is going to be a little more favorable. So I need to show up for both those people as well. Got it. But yeah, that's the hyper segmentation of standard shopping. And I just did it with bricks. We went from 30,000 up to 70,000. So what's funny is now this company, when this kind of continues, we're almost a million dollar annual sales off of my first product line that I've done this with. And I'm going to go do it 25 more times. I didn't notice this. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, maybe I just missed it because it was quick on the screenshot. But like the search term for bricks, I would imagine you're showing up for that. Just that unto itself, or that's not even a search. Like you have bricks luggage, you have bricks, a lot of different variations. But bricks itself, somebody's looking for it because they want to go to the brick site is what I'm thinking. But you appear there as well, or is that not part of the strategy? Bricks doesn't actually sell as well. I don't negate it, but by one out of every 20 searches is just the term bricks. I think it's also because Google predictability. When you go to Google and type in B-R-I-C apostrophe S, it says bricks luggage and people just click on that. Just click on that. Yeah. Yeah. So what Google is predicting is what people usually search for, which is what usually sells. If you type in bricks is good. What's funny is you can also actually type in bricks luggage and I have a search ad that is also right underneath it. And I'll outrank a lot of times bricks themselves on search, primarily also on mobile. So what's interesting is I'll have a search and a shopping ad. My search ad, horrible, horrible performance. It's right underneath bricks. There's bricks luggage, 20% off all bricks products, Travaloo. I get tons of clicks on that. Barely ever converts. Barely Um, ever converts. Interesting. As I think your buyers, when they make their buying decision, they look at that's the color, that's the size, that's the product, that's the price, that's the shipping, that's the discount. Yeah. And they pop it. I'll probably get some return traffic from the search, but search and shopping is a six to one ratio of conversions. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. Plus, it's just a visual purchase too. I mean, there is that element to it. Well, why would you click on a shopping ad? You're looking for the product you want at the best price, period. That's it. That's all you want. That's 90% of the battle. Yeah. And then not to be discounted here, but there is a discount. <laughs> exactly. So, and there's a there's a permanent, you know what's funny is people don't even realize this. There's a permanent discount that I just have to keep updating every six months. And you're like, the Bricks CS spinner 170 with, with code. Oh no, it expires in 51 days. <laughs> oh, is that, uh, where is that? How does that appear? That's when you oh, click on the here. Ah, the 170 with code. There's a hover yeah. pop that comes up and says 20% off Bricks luggage and then a couple through travel loop got it yeah That's but you can even see sharp. that this sale is going to be around for the next 51 days 51 days but people don't look there and the sense of urgency is still there because my sale cycle is a three-day window every three days there's new people seeing my sale <gasps> true 100 that is fabulous so if you are an e-commerce business or you're a VP of marketing or a director of marketing and you're listening to this, have you people watch this episode over on YouTube, professionaltraffic.com forward slash YouTube. This is an absolute gold nugget. And they can probably, depending on when we publish this, they might be able to get this in before Black Friday. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Calling a little tight. <laughs> Let's get into big John Moran tip on Google or what's working now, number two here. And this is broad targeting with a harder, higher, more difficult gate. So let's yep. talk about this. Absolutely. So we've said before on our YouTube channel, Solutions 8, that the key word that is broad has less to do with the keyword language itself and more to do with where a person is at in their journey. You can type in a keyword that is a little bit more middle of the funnel or a keyword that's a little more bottom of the funnel when you're looking for a service, specifically for lead generation. When you're looking to have a service, a lot of times you'll be typing in 
different variations of those search terms. And Google's like, we know this is your seventh time that you've been looking for this. We think you're going to convert. And it doesn't matter what that keyword is. They're going to show your ad. That's why Google recommends broad match only with smart bidding. So because broad match is not about the keyword anymore, and it's Just more about fascinating the user. Into it, so, just stop right there. Mm-hmm. Like That is mm-hmm. absolutely fascinating. It is. Like because you've typed in seven different words around this thing, and I know this business because we've talked about it before and how we're trying to like solve the lead gen issue, but they know this is how smart Google is. And I think we all forget. You guys intercepted the memo where it was 72 million demographic and psychographic profiling factors on every human <laughs> on the planet. So right. like and part of it is just your damn search behavior. So if you search for something in and around what we're going to be talking about here, I think it's metal buildings, if I'm not mistaken, seven different times, you know you're in market. Oh, and yeah. they know that. So I know you kind of take that for granted, but just for the professional traffic audience, <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. And then it puts you probably in different categories. It puts you in different audiences for cold traffic, all these other sorts of things. So anyway, so go ahead with your tip here. Yeah, you have a spy over your shoulder anytime you pull out your phone or anytime you go on. Then, and people forget that spy is there because that spy is really good. Always but there. It's, all, it's like if you had a person watching over your shoulder saying, why'd you look for that? Why are you on that website? What are you doing over there? Why are you watching that video? That's what's going on right it's now, literally 24-7. Yeah. Right. And then you get your car, you drive to a place, and then Google conversion tracking for store visits, like, why'd you go there? I mean, they know. <laughs> they know. They know exa- yeah. You typed in sports equipment, then you went to sports authority. We know what you're doing. They're, yeah, it's like having a private eye over your shoulder 24-7 and hooked into your pocket that you opted into. Good job, everybody. <laughs> Knowingly <laughs> and willfully because right, yeah, nobody reads the terms of service. So <laughs> yeah. it's like your own damn fault. <laughs> yeah, you see terms of service, you're like, of course I apply. Yes, of course. Yes. Of course. <laughs> Let's not forget, though, before anyone non-marketing listens to this like oh my god i can't believe this is horrible how much google knows about me well actually it's You're for welcome. your it's for your benefit <laughs> right the reason why you're liking NASCAR ads and videos is because google knows you like NASCAR unless you want to receive barbie ads you're welcome right well <laughs> now that we've said it on this podcast we're going to both get barbie ads but anyway go ahead probably yeah, as I'm, on, as I'm on Chrome and said Barbie, damn it. That's right. All right. <laughs> so with that little spy, he is your friend, uh, especially for an advertiser. So what Google is, is your spy that says, hey, we think this person is going to be looking for a big metal building that costs a quarter million. Why? Well, he's done the same thing everyone else has done at around the same time. So we're going to bid for that person. Well, what they search is steel, a good steel for building. Okay, well, I didn't want that. No, 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 but they convert. So that's what's happening is Google is pushing you in front of them at the point in the journey that you need to meet them, regardless of what they search. Now, it's not always. Broadmatch can be really heavily horrible. It really, really, really can be. It's only really good when it's done learning. So I figured to leverage that. And what I did is I took two keywords, steel building, metal building. You can probably all imagine what I'm selling, big steel buildings, starting at 100 grand, not the Home Depot $2,500 metal building. This is a quarter million dollar building. And I ran those two keywords for years. I'll share my screen here and you all can see this. The keywords that are on search. This is on Google search. Search only. So I'll try and find the episode and leave the links in the show notes. I think this is when Google Performance Max first came out. We talked about this before we hit record. We actually tried to figure out a way to get Google Performance Max to work for this customer with as many fields as possible to try and throw off the click farms and never were able to figure out a way. So you're going, forget Performance Max here, set that aside. We couldn't figure that one out. We still can't as far as like lead gen goes. And let me, that's a whole other episode if you've ever figured it out. But point is, we're, on, we're <laughs> yeah. a straight search campaign. This is, I hate yep. to say, especially with... Now you're adopted perpetual traffic title here. This is stupidly <laughs> simple. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. I Even when I presented this to the client, I said, okay, don't fire me because this looks, <laughs> this looks I like, God, I got this great idea. I'll do two search terms, broad. <laughs> two broad words, and I'm selling a quarter million dollar building. But I'm like, trust me, 
trust me, guys, this is not a dumb idea. This that's is a, back. That's a testament in, to your trustworthiness as a media buyer, <laughs> by the way, because right. most businesses would be like, you're fired. <laughs> you know, it was even worse. I started this in January 2021. I didn't track a conversion until September 2022. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh my you know why? Because of the secret that I'm about to release to everyone. All right. Well, one, I tracked the CRM. So I knew who was coming in and if sales were happening. I didn't need Google to tell me that that was happening. Actually, Google will know when a conversion is happening, even if you don't have conversion tracking installed. That's why enhanced conversions is a thing, by the way. Google knows what's happening. Your enhanced conversions, you send a form saying, hey, did this guy actually fill it out from Google Ad? And they respond, oh, yeah, that was from us. <laughs> I mean, that's what enhanced conversions is, and that's what's scary about it. Google already knows. They already um, know. It's a little man yeah. looking over your shoulder. And for people to say, well, that's kind of outlandish, and that's kind of stupid. But look into your conversions column instead of Google Ads, and look at the thing called orders. This right here, how it works, you report conversions with cart data, blah, blah, blah. This, I actually have orders with campaigns that have never had conversion tracking. I have orders and revenue from campaigns that don't actually have conversion tracking set up. I was able to prove that two years ago. Yep. That's crazy. So make sure that you go to perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube because we are showing inside the Google MCC here. I've never seen that. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy, but it's not surprising. Not far-fetched. Yeah. Not far-fetched. So go ahead. Yep. So the reason why this works, though, and you can see even back in like when I started tracking conversions September 22, at USC, I'm looking at only my enabled keywords. And this is what's been running forever. Now, I tried other keywords during some time periods, but I've always stuck with these two. This was reactionary from the client. He goes, let's just try other keywords. That failed. So he's like, okay, let's go back. Like That's why these are still running today at scale. The reason why these work is because I what I don't want to do is generate a lead that is of such low quality that none of my data is worthwhile and the client's company can't grow. So what I did is I put a bouncer at the front door. And that bouncer hooked you up to a polygraph test and asked if you really wanted to be here. And everyone that said yes was let in the front door. And I did that in the form of a heavily required high amount of fields form on the site. So if everyone wants to see how this looks out there in, in podcast land, go to southwestbuildingsolutions.com and try to generate yourself as a lead. What you're going to see is I asked for your first name, last name, city, state, phone number, email, the city you want your building to be in, what is the length, what is the width, what is the height of the building you want to build, and how did you hear about us? Those are all required, not just first name, email, phone number. Everyone needs to change their thinking. Majority of people, majority of agencies, majority of businesses say, well, if I put too many fields, I get less conversions. Yes, but the byproduct of that is I'll also get higher quality conversions. So I spend less, your sales teams work less, your sales teams are happier, and I can scale. So when you put up the barrier to entry of saying, unless you really want to contact us, you need to give us a high amount of information before we'll let sales talk to you. It's a really weird, really weird switch. But what does that enable me to do? Everybody that passes through that form, and I can get back to Google, which I've now been doing for over a year, and I give that information back to Google, Google says, aha, those are the common denominators, and those are the conversion paths that person took. And it only watches the people I ask it to watch, which is almost as good as sales. Rather than importing sales, I import almost like deal information, like here's the person that bought from us. It's almost that high of quality. Google is acting as a business development rep, like a BDR here. Like they're pre-screening qualified candidates, not wasting your time on the ones that are just the tire kickers that aren't going to buy, in essence, yeah. by doing this. Got it. It's exactly right. And we're talking about in down economies, in potential recessions, blah, 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 blah. If I look at this last quarter, I have 214 contacts that cost me $72 each. I spent $15,000 and I made 492 k it's a 3,000 ROAS. If I look at this year, I spent, and this is just, I'm not saying look how good I am. I'm saying look how so, like solid and consistent this is. This year, last year, this quarter, doesn't matter. I rarely will dip under a 3,000 ROAS or 3,000 ROI or 3,000 MER, whatever you want to say. I put in 50 grand, I make 2 million consistently. So what this did though, is that since my broad campaigns can go so broad, meaning that I can show up with these two keywords for 88,174 search variations, but then they all have to jump through one big hoop before we can contact them. 
I can scale. That's why you need to go broad. Exactly. Oh, oh this is I'm only, only in Arizona. Arizona. This is only in Arizona. Interesting. Just okay. Arizona. So when you look at the locations, this is just Arizona. So I'm showing up for all of these different variations of searches. I'm spending now $500 a day. I'm still getting $70 leads. And these people, when they come through, I call them the Glengarry leads. Uh, <laughs> the Glengarry leads, when you look at these contacts, no matter which one that you fill out, last 798 all have jumped through that hoop. You can click in any lead at any point in time. And if there's ever any issue with anything, what I mean by that is these leads aren't closing. Really? Because they came in and said they wanted one equestrian riding area, shade structure, 90 width, 60 length, 16 hood, no size, two shop garage. You're telling me that your team can't close that when they literally gave you everything under the sun and plus where they even want the plot of land to be where to build it. Holy This is not cow. a me issue. This yeah. is now a you issue. Yeah. And it cost me $70 for this lead. And that's why I clicked in the first one I saw. This happened when? This one happened two days ago. If you can't close this, like, like your problem isn't your Google ads, really. It's probably your, your sales team. Exactly. Uh, so exactly. we were just taking a peek into the HubSpot record. CRM. A CRM yep. record. You could see all the individual details. The more details that you get, the more qualified that lead is going to be. They're self-selecting into the whole process by seemingly putting this high fence up in front of you in a very broad, it's two different strategies here. It's going very broad, but then it's having a very high fence so that they have to jump over that. But once they jump over that fence, your salesperson who is on the other side of the CRM should be able to close these things, especially at average order value set is what, quarter of a million dollars in most cases? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what's cool. interesting. And everything I can see, ads activity, metal building. Metal building. But you have no idea what variation you could track that one back, though, inside Google Ads. You could, instead of saying, oh, well, maybe it was just metal building. Was that the actual keyword? No, it was probably like steel building structure or something like that. But they're all, you know what's funny is I would want all those as exact. Based on now what Google is showing me for, if I had to redo this all over again, I would have taken 2,000 search terms that are all very minor variations of each other. An exact match. But what happens is my CPC is now three times higher than I want it to be. So I'm paying for exact match. Yeah, right. And I'm getting the same thing. So I cut my ROAS down to 1,000 rather than 3,000. The funny part is, is here's a bonus for everyone. The reason why I have a really good relationship with this client is because I have given their sales team the Glengarry leads now. And then also have built an automation so that their sales team never drops the ball without management knowing. And I built that inside of HubSpot. So this is a bonus for everyone if you're going to be doing this. This is a new lead flow I built yesterday, which is a small variation of it. But long story short, and I know the podcast is not going to want to hear me talk about a CRM tool build out. But what I'm doing is as soon as a lead comes in, I notify management that a beautiful lead has just landed in their lap. It rotates between six salespeople, auto emails, autoresponder to the person, sends also a text to them saying, we have your information. You are going to be contacted ASAP. And then every single time a property value is changed, the management is known about it. Hey, that lead isn't qualified. We got to figure out why. That's my issue. Hey, that lead's qualified. You have a sales team that's working a qualified lead for a quarter million dollars today. Or, hey, it's been 30 days. It's been 30 days. This lead has not been marked as qualified or non-qualified. I notify Steve, their boss. <laughs> so gotcha, if, I hand, you, right. if I hand you the Glengarry leads, you don't get them. So it's the same thing. It's basically, it's all, I call it the Glengarry model, but it is a beautiful lead at scale using two little piddly thing keywords, but a high barrier to entry before they're allowed to talk to our sales team. But and they a will smart close them. backend CRM too. Exactly. Like that flow right there. We know like we're in the services-based business. The flows are everything. But exactly. you actually, did you build that catch there in that last section as to whether or not a good qualified lead hadn't been contacted and you notify their boss? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I had a meeting with Steve and Scott, the two owners or the yeah. owners and managers. And that was funny as you'll see when I started this, this was actually created on November 8th by John Moran. I built the whole workflow. And that's the thing too, is I know that if I drop something, oh, it's, here's the best part for all of your advertisers out there. This solidifies you as the most important person in that company, the people that can generate the lead and manage the sales team or notify management if it's not working. And you're probably charging, what, like three or four grand a month? <laughs> like, you couldn't hire three people to do the same job. You're somewhat yeah. over-delivering on service. Exactly. But really, it's I beautiful. mean, setting up flows inside HubSpot is not the most time-consuming thing in the world, but it's yeah. absolutely essential. It's crazy valuable. Yeah, crazy valuable. 
This flips the script, I think, on like how I've thought about Google specifically for multi-numeral, however many, like it's 21 fields. I think you have another customer that actually you have to fill out like a 3D model for this, like more barriers. And then that makes the sale so much more valuable for them, obviously. But because you're matching, it's almost like you've got this tiny little window with this very, very, uh, this is the epitome of like a huge broad funnel that goes down to this tiny little narrow funnel at the mm-hmm. end where out comes the Glengarry leads on the bottom of that. And it's really, it's just <laughs> a matter of your sales team just closing the stuff. Yeah. What's interesting is the reason why I like this model, counting that high barrier to entry, is you can scale it really without hitting a point of diminishing returns because you're not changing the structure you're simply just throwing more gasoline on the existing fire. I know that sounds really easy to say, but as a quick example, this is that one client that has to, and I'll just share screen so you all can see this. But in here, this is November 2021, uh, and I'll just do cost and then conversions. We had 2,800 bucks for 50 leads in November of 2021, so two years ago. So last month, we had 200 grand in spend and 1,200 leads the red line, it was outpacing the blue line of cost at scale. And when you look at this here, if I just take the last 30 days, you'll see the only conversion action that I count last month, I spent 170,000, got a thousand leads. And these thousand leads, besides the calls from ads over only 50, 958 of them are that design tool submission. That's it. They have to go to a website. They have to design the island, pick the countertops, pick the cabinets, pick the appliances, pick the appliance layout, get a 3D rendering of it, see that it's $18,000, and then say, yes, have someone from sales contact me. Here's my information. I can't pray for those leads, like, you know, if this is even in real life. When walking in, are you looking for something? No, I'm just looking. Ugh. Like, <laughs> now Tire it's just, kicker. yes, I'd like to have that one with a 3 by 5 with granite countertops in black. It's going to be 20 grand. Sounds good. Oh, my gosh. This is Perfect. amazing. Perfect. Yeah. So with both of these campaigns, these are large sales, like a quarter of a million dollars, you know, like a kitchen might be fifty to five hundred thousand dollars, depending on what size kitchen you have. Do you start small in these regional areas? Like you said, for the metal building company, we will leave links in the show notes for all this, of course. You're at five hundred dollars a day. Did you ramp that up from a much lower spend 50. to get the algorithm to okay so you started with 50 did you go 50 for a year period of time when did you start scaling up and then tracking the conversions through the form how long did that take yeah for the first year we bounced around between 50 and 150 based on their volume now they're a team of six takes about six months to build a building they could do about five buildings at once slower season we ramped up cost the busier season, we pulled back because they wanted to say, I always want to be booked six months in advance. So we were able to kind of throttle that. Now, as their team grew, they bought a new office. It's actually only 25 minutes away from me. That's why I like working with them is I can show up and be like, what's going on, guys? And we can fix things. So they're in Arizona, same as me, right down the street. But as their team grew, the only time I've actually ever ramped up was in this last three months, which went from 60 to 200 test that for a month, everything got better, and then went from 250 to 500. And that's been keeping me within about a 10% CPA difference. So it went from like $65 to $75. And then it's been hovering between 60 and 75 just per day, basically. It wrapped up without hitting a point of diminishing returns, just like what RTA did. Right. But mm-hmm. knowing that those qualified leads are coming in the door, you know, all right, that's going to turn into cash in six months or whatever it happens to be. It depends on what their financing terms are and how long it takes to close the sale and get the equipment and the materials and all that sort of stuff. But it's usually the early indicator is that form fill with that very specific information that goes into HubSpot that's going to turn into a sale. Right. And that's what's nice too is there's $70 leads and a quarter million dollar building. 10 of those only cost you $700. I mean, it's pretty inexpensive when you're talking about the ROI on it. Yeah, that is outstanding. Well, that I think proves a lot of people wrong that say that you can't sell high, high, high ticket. Most people say high ticket is like a $10,000 product. This is extremely high, a quarter of a million dollars, obviously kitchens as well, which can be even more than that. So yeah, $18,000 AOV actually, because they're outdoor kitchen kits. Um, Ah, They're kind of pre-built. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I bet you it could be done for high-end kitchen redesigners. There's so many different ways in which this strategy could potentially work. So, um, well, What's nice, too, is to give you a little indicator, 
this is the reason why I like this is if we look at what's last quarter, it was that July through September. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yep. We spent six eighty seven. That was our total cost, six hundred eighty seven thousand. This is our RTA daily dashboard here. If we go into our deals and we look at the date range of last quarter, we made six point four million. So it's a ten X even at scale from a course of over two years. It's just beautiful. I love it. When you don't have to worry about positioning and keywords and match types, if you don't have to worry about that, scale's easy. You're not going to pay any more for these people. You're not going to get a better position. You're not going to have to change targets. You're not going to burn an audience like, hey, would you like more of the same? Uh-huh. That's what broad can get you. Yeah. And it's a cinch to manage. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. tell anybody, but I haven't touched Southwest Billing Solutions in about six months. <laughs> was about to say, how many minutes are you spending on it a day? Like you just spent more on this podcast in that account than you have the last three months. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's the thing is they pay me to know what buttons not to press. (laughs) Yeah. Which is just as valuable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nobody can take that over. So anyway, this has been awesome, man. As always, you bring the goods to PT here. Really appreciate that. Of course, where can people find you? Where is the best place to find John Moran? Is it just Solutions Aid or Solate.com or like my LinkedIn YouTube actually. channel? LinkedIn. All right. Yeah. My LinkedIn. I've been focusing more and more and more on LinkedIn. But if you go to LinkedIn and search for John Moran and type in like Google or something like that, usually I pop up. I have like 10,000, I guess, followers on LinkedIn. I post about one to four times per month. And because I don't like the attention, I like sharing. All of my posts are case studies with results. It's not a love on your business. You know, love you. But I don't care. I'm really like the things that I share today, press that button, do this, go here, measure that. That's what I love. I'm having a blast. Super, <laughs> super tactical. All right. We'll leave links to all of that and make sure that you not only check out all of this is like your third or fourth time, I think, on the show here. We'll also leave links to those things. And I think you were the one of the, when Performance Max came out, I think you came <laughs> on the show like within the first month of it coming out. And that's really changed. We could do a whole other episode yeah. on your thoughts now on Performance Max. We'll definitely have to have you back. But Oh, um, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Whole other conversation. Don't have <laughs> enough time to talk about it here today. So really appreciate you all listening here today. Once again, plug in the YouTube channel because it's a highly visual episode here. Check it out at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. Make sure you subscribe and leave a rating wherever you're listening. Follow John Moran, Google search. We'll leave a link to that in the show notes over on LinkedIn. Follow me on LinkedIn as well. That's Ralph Burns. I think we're pretty much the only Ralph Burns on LinkedIn. I'm the only Ralph in digital marketing. Somebody said that the other day. So. <laughs> that makes sense. I like to say I'm the only John, but uh, there's, oh my gosh. <laughs> a lot For of some reason, it's a really popular thing to be named after a toilet. That's <laughs> true. Well, <laughs> Ralph is actually after puking. But anyway, that's a whole like 1980s <laughs> well, thing. Yeah. Ralph and John go really well together then. It's perfect. Ralph yeah. and the big white John. And then, of course, you <laughs> You can, you can follow Qasim on Twitter and all the other socials. He's at Qasim Aslam. There are other Qasims at the world, but there's only one at Qasim Aslam. So check that out. Like I said, all resources and show notes over at perpetualtraffic.com. We'll leave links there. On behalf of my awesome guest, John Moran, today, until next show, see ya. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, Ralph. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. 